Welcome to Box Office Culture. I'm your host, Tony Noons, and this week we are talking about Mission Impossible with a new Mission Impossible film, Dead Reckoning Part 1, coming out in just a few weeks, which will be premiering here at the United on July 12th. I thought, why not talk about how amazing the Mission Impossible series is, uh, and that franchise in particular, and I thought, you know, you know what might be a, a fun counterpoint to that is is a little bit of a debate about what's the better franchise the bond franchise or the mission impossible franchise uh so i'm inviting on today uh on today's episode our guest is connor knapp who works with us here at the united uh and after the intro he'll be on and we will have this this rich debate about which spy franchise is the better or or do you really even have to pick we'll talk about that and more coming up after this. Okay, joining me today, like I said, is United Theater's own Connor Knapp. Welcome to the show. Aren't a pleasure to be here, man. Thank you. So Connor works with us here. Um, you've probably seen his face many a time if you're a United Theater regular. Um, I, I've been wanting to have him on the show for a while now. And I said, hey, don't know what a good topic point is. But then I threw out this idea the other day because I've, I've kind of wanted to have this conversation with someone anyway, because I feel like everybody thinks uh, opposite of what I think on this concept and that is what is the better franchise mission impossible or james bond i lean towards the mission impossible franchise being better most people say i'm crazy um including you i think you know you were like what 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 are you, what are you talking about my first question is uh what did you hit your head on so hard to yeah make you think this? that's usually the reaction i get um so i thought hey there's our topic right there so that's why you're here today we're going to debate this thing um and you know, whether we, we come out, I don't think we're going to come up with a solution. I don't think I'm going to sway you. I don't think you're going to sway me, but let's, let's point counterpoint this thing and talk about what's so great about both franchises, what works, what doesn't work. Um, and you know, in the process, get a little hyped about the new mission impossible because it does look pretty awesome and it's coming out in a couple of weeks. So I'm going to preface all of this by saying, I know that James Bond has this legacy I love the James Bond films. I really do. Um, James Bond comes from a place in history and time in cinematic history, which is something I care deeply about. Um, James Bond is one of the most iconic characters in all of cinema. So knowing all of that, I know the, the place that James Bond in that series has in the pantheon of film and spy movies and culture. Um, but my argument here for Mission Impossible, as you'll see, is that um, you know James Bond has 25 films in a 50-year period. That's an average of you know a film every two years for the past 50 years. Mission Impossible has been going strong for 27 years, um, and it only has let's see, four, five, six, seven, seven films so far, with an eighth coming out next year. Um, but my arguments are on about formula about pacing about holding up through time um and we'll we'll go through all of these points in a minute but i did want to preface that by saying 
I'm, I do love the James Bond films and I do appreciate and understand and know and um, value their, their space in cinematic history. So I'm not demeaning that by any means um, or, or minimizing that, but um, I just want to get that out. I just want to clear the air there on, on that piece before we dive into this. Um, And I think let's start. um, I don't know what the best way to break this conversation down would be. Um, Actually, here's a fun thing. Let's start, you know, James Bond, Mission Impossible. These are franchises. Mm -hmm. These are films that have gone on for years and years. Um, What I'm going to put you on the spot here um, because I'm curious where Bond lands on, on this kind of list idea for you. What are your top five film franchises and and does bond even land on those (sighs) bond is if not number one in the top three like it's just iconic and you wouldn't have so many other franchises without it you wouldn't have john wick you wouldn't have jason bourne you wouldn't have mission impossible and you you wouldn't even have austin powers so he that franchise has lent itself so much to other successful cinematic franchises And I think that really just underscores the reach it has and its ability to adapt and change with the times, which keeps it relevant. Like, it, you know, some people would argue that it doesn't adapt well, you know, if you don't like the campy stuff or you don't like the over the top 90s. (laughs) Understandable. I don't really like those periods either, but still it changed and moved. And then what I would call the Jason Bourne effect is when you had Casino Royale and it started off, it was like black and white gritty. You had a whole different bond rebranded, taking down like serious bad guys, you know, camp is dead. Bond has killed it. The over the top excess of the nineties, like the Pierce Brosnan era that was gone kind of to the wayside. And I find a nice balance in the modern movies that like appeals to the, the modern viewer. So what's your, what are your favorite franchises beyond Bond? Okay. You know, just wondering. Yeah. Okay. Back to that. Top five, probably Bond, Star Wars, um, Gotta Love Lord of the Rings. The original three movies are just a masterpiece as well. I love the John Wick films. They're a great update on the whole, you know, worldwide assassin kind of action movie. And... I don't know. I'm stuck on a fifth one. Okay. What about you? Yeah, for me, you know, it goes Star Wars first, Mm. Lord of the Rings second, Mission Impossible third. Mm. That's right. That's right. Uh, And then it goes, uh, you know, Planet of the Apes, all of them. Oh, no. Because that series is amazing. And then I would say after that, it's like the Mad Max franchise. (laughs) Okay. It's just good stuff. It gets a little post-apocalyptic at the top of my my list there. But, you know, (laughs) it's how things roll. Um but yeah, Mission Impossible, you know, it's funny. There's a funny tie. There's a obvious, there's obvious ties here. Um, Mission Impossible was a television show. It premiered in 1966, um, and that's what the films are based on. Bond is based on Ian Fleming's novels, which I think came out in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the first Bond film, Dr. No, came out in 1962. Uh, the Mission Impossible series premiered four years later. So you could say... And I'm sure this is the case that Mission Impossible, the series, was somewhat spurred by the popularity of this new Bond franchise that launched around the same time. Um, that that's undeniable, actually. But um, there's a funny other little history here, um, but a little connection between these two franchises. 
when Mission Impossible came out, the first one in 1996, it was around the same time that GoldenEye came out, which was probably the only decent of the Pierce Brosnan Bond films. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, both had N64 games, Nintendo 64 games. Uh, GoldenEye arguably, and, and how old are you? 26. Okay, so this predates you. No, but I played GoldenEye. All right, all right, good. Yeah, that's dope. GoldenEye is probably the, the greatest, it might yeah. be the greatest video game of all time. I don't know. Uh, uh, it's pretty cool. Don't that, give that's me a these reach. Looks. You, all these millennials <laughs> in this room are giving me some, some shade up in here, but. That's hey, a full nostalgia cup you're drinking there. I grew up with it. I mean, like we would have parties and play, like it was a whole lifestyle that you guys just you don't even understand. Oh, that's true. It was like one of the first multiplayer. The first, yeah, we yeah. would have like LAN parties and yeah. So, you know, I sound old as shit right now, but that's okay. <laughs> hey, not to get off topic, but you ever seen that picture of the LAN party with the guy taped to the ceiling so you could play locally? <laughs> I, I love that picture. Amazing, different times. <laughs> yeah, but the, there's a Mission Impossible game that also came out around that same time. That was amazing. It was a really fun, incredible game. Totally lost. Like nobody, nobody even remembers this game. Really? Um, and my thought for a long time was that that is how the Bond and Mission Impossible franchises stack up. Mission Impossible movies, they come and go and people forget about them. But I think around the time of 2011, that's when the fourth movie came out, uh, Ghost Protocol, the fourth Mission Impossible film. And that one was directed by Brad Bird. I think that's around the time for me, at least, that these movies really came into their own and kind of found a groove that I thought was impressive um, beyond Bourne, beyond uh, beyond James Bond, even at that point. And the reason, the number one reason for me is pacing. So Bond is set in this time and, and in this tone from the Fleming novels, which is awesome and it's great and it works for Bond, but it's, you know, it's, it's a lesser cinematic experience, I would say. So Mission Impossible films are edge of your seat. Um, the storytelling in both, I'd argue, is, you know, it, it, not the most memorable. Like, I couldn't tell you the plot of most of the Mission Impossible movies or Bond movies. They're all MacGuffin-based. They're all like, here's the MacGuffin that we have to find and stop the world from being destroyed. That's, that's the gist of it. And you know Bond's going to make it. Or, or and you Agent know, Hunt, like, you know. You know, Ethan Hunt or James Bond are going to make it. The thing is, James Bond normally, except some of the, the more recent films, you know, is always in the favor of MI6 in his mm. government. Ethan Hunt seems to always be on the fringe of government. And on. I think there's an interesting dynamic at play there that makes the Ethan Hunt character a little more of an outsider than Bond might be. Um, but the pacing, just to go back to the pacing, the, the action in Mission Impossible is the thing that makes the series so great for me. Uh, it's, it feels frenetic. You can watch a two and a half hour movie, which I, uh, that's way too long for a movie in my opinion, but these movies feel quick. There's no lulls. The Bond movies, you have amazing action set piece than like the, the romantic somewhat sexist scenes of Bond and that's his trademark. I know whatever, but um, you have that quiet scene with the woman and then you have uh, some quiet stuff with him meeting with people at MI6. And I always felt like the mission impossible movies didn't have that lull. So I was, it, it those movies keep me engaged and keep me in, in the moment a lot more. 
And if you're talking about two franchises that are generally the same storytelling wise, um, I'd mm-hmm. rather experience the one that's more frenetically paced. Yeah. That's my big argument. So I, I recently rewatched Goldeneye to prepare for this. And uh, I noticed the influence. Like I could see, maybe it's a reach, but the scene in the beginning where he's kind of base jumping into the base. I could see maybe Brian De Palma looking at this and be like, how could I make this better? With like the famous infiltration scene. Also, I don't know if you knew, the same stunt that they're using to market Dead Reckoning is in Goldeneye. The jumping off to base jumping. The base the motorcycle. Jump? Yeah. Is it in Goldeneye? Yeah. Or is it in... um? Tomorrow never dies. No, Goldeneye. It's in Goldeneye. Yeah, I don't remember that. I was like, oh, look at that. Huh. Recognize it from the trailer. But uh, Pierce Brosnan didn't do it as his his own damn self like Tom Cruise did. That's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. You got to give Tom credit on that. Yeah. So yeah, Brian De Palma, who directed the first Mission Impossible film mm. in '96, um, he, he, that movie's so different too. That yeah. movie does have the lulls and feel of a, a bond movie a little more than the rest. Um, and then John Woo directed the second one, mission impossible Two, which I, I think mission impossible two is probably the worst of the mission impossible movies because it was John Woo. You have to understand that this movie came out in 2000. This is John Woo, like a few years off of like face off and all of these big Michael Bay type Peak movies John as Woo. well. Peak John Woo was face off. Um, so you have like, you have like Tom Cruise on a motorcycle chase with like these oh, yeah. close up shots of him literally like pulling out two guns and it, like the no doves that I can recall, but it's total John Woo style. <laughs> I was going to say, do you think John Woo takes crates of doves around I with do. him? Just I do. Just releases them and when he walks into rooms. I do. I think like every morning after he's done taking a, a crap in his bathroom, he opens the doors and doves fly out and his wife's like, Jesus, John, why John are with you the doing doves? this? Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that that's his lifestyle. That's all he, I mean, When's the last time John Woo's made a movie? I don't remember any in recent history. Hopefully he's still alive. I don't even know. Yeah. Kid, that's insensitive of me. Um, but <laughs> um, pretty healthy. But I think that's the worst. And then you have like Mission Impossible 3, which that was J.J. Abrams. That one's pretty good. Mm. Um, that, was a, that was an entertaining one. But like I said, Ghost Protocol, 2011, Brad Bird. The thing that made this movie stand out and in kind of gave it some uh some praise and and more notice than the other Mission Impossible movies I think was this this burged by um scene where Tom Cruise is climbing that building which was then oh, yeah, at the that burge. time the the biggest building in the world mm-hmm. and he's doing his own stunts he's on the top of this thing like running around it and stuff and people were like oh my god Tom Cruise is doing and, and also he did he did this with like the cliff scene in Mission Impossible 2. There's a really funny um bit during the MTV Movie Awards that year with Ben Stiller coming out as Tom Cruise's stunt double and Tom Cruise just like you know basically saying I don't use stunt doubles, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but this Burj Dubai scene was the first big one. Um and now now Tom Cruise, you know, look, Tom Cruise love him or hate him um you know as a person is I, I I love Tom Cruise movies. I love, I, I thought Top Gun last year was insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really truly respect the fact that he does his own stunts and the stunts he does in these mission impossible movies are insane. Like he, he learns to fly a helicopter. The last one, he flew a helicopter in a nosedive, yeah. um, on his own, which is, 
how studios are allowing him to do this. Though. His insurance <laughs> policy must be zero. Like he must have to sign giant You're waivers. Your own, You're on your own. <laughs> if you die, it's on you. They also like he has this big motorcycle stunt in this new one. Mm. They filmed it. That was the first thing they filmed on day one because he's like, if I die, then we hadn't waste we haven't wasted the rest of this film. So let's film that first. Which is crazy mentality. <laughs> but I respect that and I think that brings you into the action a little bit more. Um and makes these stand out. I mean, the cinema and movie, the movie going experience is something I love and care about. And I love big tent pole franchise movies when they're done well. Yeah. These are done well and they feel like a real event when you go see them, just like Top Gun did last year. And, you know, Christopher McQuarrie has directed the last three of these, um, also directed Top Gun. So it makes sense. But. <laughs> That's it. It's the it's for me. It's the action and it's the cinematic experience yeah. that make these more enjoyable now than going to a Bond film. Um, I think historically Bond films have a deeper history and and there's some amazing classics there. Sean Connery, every movie he did was insane. But I think as far as longevity and like looking at these franchises stacked up today, I feel like Mission Impossible right now is is performing better or making better movies than the Bond franchise is today. I think, okay, the thing that you don't like about Bond is I think what I do like and a lot of people do like, and I think it's because we go to the uh, church of cinema for different reasons. Like you want over-the-top action, gripping, like two and a half hours. I like a bit of a, like a contrast. Like I like action scenes and I like the kind of romantic interludes. I like moments of like peace before the action comes back in. Whereas like Mission Impossible, it feels to me like a Marvel movie. You're constantly getting barraged with like one-liners and actions and da 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 And then by the end of it, your head's spinning. You feel like you've been on a roller coaster for an hour, which is cool. But I feel like that doesn't lend to longevity. Like I feel like the Bond movies are greater than the sum of their parts. And because they have that kind of complicated interplay between you have this assassin who's outwardly kind of a, a toxic masculine individual and he but that's he needs to be to do the job he's a killer so the world demands that violence of him they need a violent man but then you still peek in and see his humanity and what's brought out of him as an agent like when he does good when he saves lives and goes against the mission you really feel that whether it's because of a romantic interest or because of you know his own personal code i feel like that makes an impact Whereas with Ethan Hunt, it's everything's done in the service of spectacle and it's all done in the service of the cinema, which is cool. And it makes a really fun movie to watch. Really interesting, great action set pieces. But I don't think you could even market those movies without Tom Cruise. He's such a big part of that with his stunts, like you're saying. And yeah, it, it's it's hard to compare them, but I think Mission Impossible is a a great disciple of the Bond franchise. I don't know if the student has outshone the master, but I mean, Bond touches so many things like, you know, it's sartorial excellence. It has a whole legacy of like tailoring and style that no other film franchise has. Like it, it literally, some British brands still only have an established name because of Bond, like N Peel or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's reaches. It's hard to quantify. And again, like, I think it is better than some of, part, some of its parts. I think there's a lot of Bond movies that aren't that good. <laughs> yeah, of course. But yeah, but um, 
the fact that you can have a franchise that lasts that long and that also you can stick different actors into that role yeah and you know produce good movies i think says a lot to the the, the property itself i mean it's there you can't deny the iconic nature of the bond series um and you're right mission impossible without tom cruise doesn't work they can't do the inner the interplay of of actors like the bond series does and and arguably the bond series you know has flailed a little bit at that time you know time and again you know mm. pierce brosnan was good in a couple moments uh, yeah. in those films but <laughs> i would not say that he, he was you know it was a weak link and then you know roger moore too it's like you know hit or miss yeah um but sean connery damn you know you can't you can't touch that and i think Daniel Craig is incredible too. I think he's, yeah. he's a really good bond. Um, but I think, I think, yeah, nowadays I, I, I don't like the frenetic nonstop. I, and I don't think bond has the frenetic nonstop action. I think it pauses, but the lulls seem a little less of a lull to me at mm-hmm. least than the bond movies do because the humor in the, in the mission impossible movies for me at least is, you know, Simon Pegg, is brought on yeah to be great. to be like the humor portion and in some of these the way that they're they're doing things with the gadgets and um you know having fun with these little sight gags and things like that prison escapes and, and all of these major set pieces they're just done they're really strategically well shot incredibly well choreographed um but there's humor interjected which brings life to it. It's not like a fast and the furious movie or something like that, where you're just yeah. watching action. Yeah. <laughs> Producer Lee is, is looking at me because he knows that I, I, I'm not a big fan of the fast and furious films, but they seem shallow to me, you know, vapid, um, totally awful. <laughs> just I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm trolling you. Um, no, but I, the at least both of Bond movies and Mission Impossible movies, and I don't know how you feel about Mission Impossible movies in this way, but I you do feel heart. There's moments where you feel connected to the characters more, um, and but the humor is what brings me in. And in the Bond movies, you know, they have moments of humor here and there. It's very dry British, but it's humor. very dry British yeah. humor. Um, not everybody's cup of tea. No, not really. Um, and then you know, let's see the. 25 films i i mean i don't have a list in front of me of all the bond films but i i mean i have to imagine that a third of those are are pretty terrible (laughs) that's you know that's a fair that's a fair amount amount. and i i would say you know looking at how many mission impossible movies there are it they're pretty they're pretty level ground there as far as like here's some real bangers here's some abysmal pieces and then, and then here's, here's a Lewis couple movie. here's a couple middle of the road <laughs> ones yeah um but but i don't know for me today now in the present yes bond overall historically the more legacy franchise for sure the more classic franchise for sure uh untouchable in some ways i we both kind of said star wars is like our favorite franchise in a way um but like star wars you know, there's, there's, there's a point, there's a peak point and an oversaturation point. Mm. And for me, it felt like bond hit that and maybe I'm wrong, but I think I got exhausted of the bond franchise at a point. And I think that's what took me out of the bond franchise a little bit. Like it overstayed its welcome. 
what point do you think that was like around what movie i honestly i think it was around pierce brosnan uh, um understandable and then daniel craig the movies uh, the first one casino royale is great yeah the rest i i don't know the last one was was far better than the the ones between it but did you like skyfall i thought that was fantastic it was there was moments i liked i just i don't know the the movies just felt like they didn't do it for me anymore um and i i see that a little bit it's happening a little bit now and i hate to say this with star wars um it even happened with lord of the rings so what happens is you know the lord of the rings is a great example they had three amazing films each film covering a like a really thick book Mm -hmm. and then they took the smallest of all the books the hobbit and they made the three longest films as a three-part series of just that and then i was like oh my god they've they've you know screwed the pooch they don't know what they're doing here bond has done that for me a little bit not to that extent star wars does it um you know there's some great star wars content out there and then there's so much of it nowadays that some of it's subpar and you're like ah you guys are watering down your brand bond felt watered down to me mission impossible and i think this is the reason i say this that in this moment in history i'm not saying that mission impossible is a better franchise all all time yeah of course stacking up against bond but i'm saying at this moment in history the stronger franchise because bond is they're still making bond movies is mission impossible because mission impossible has not watered itself down yet now, this new movie, which looks great, is uh, part one of part two. Um, you know, that I have I have issues with part one of part two films. It's like, just make two films. It seems to be more common now, right? It's like, so common. Yeah. You know, hung, I think Hunger Games is one of the first to do it. But, um, but it still feels strong to me. I'm still excited about those. And when a Bond movie comes out, I find myself saying, I'll go see it. But I'm not like, this isn't like top five of the year I need to see. Mission Impossible feels that way to me. So that's my argument is like in this moment in time, I think the Mission Impossible franchise is pumping out better content than Bond. But historically, Bond has the history and legacy that that's kind of untouchable. Mm. Just like Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, you know, it's it's untouchable, but know when to like rein it in or, or stop. Well, I'm telling you, we could do a whole podcast on what I hate about Disney and how they handle IPs. Like what they did to Star Wars is unforgivable, man. They, George gave them a whole trilogy written out. Like, this is what I want the story to be. They were like, yeah, sure. Crumpled it up in front of his eyes, threw it away. Yep. We're like, we're not going to use it. Yep. And then proceed to make these movies that have no direction in them whatsoever. And I think that, okay, going back to Bond an issue that I had with the last few movies is they tried to do this ham-fisted tying in of all the Daniel Craig oh, yeah. movies, yep. which they it really didn't work well. Like it does felt hollow. And that's why in and the nobody last remembers movie, these things. Yeah. It's like yeah, Mission yeah. Impossible does that a little bit too. They do it well. I got to say they do it. They do it. Okay. Yeah. But I don't know. Again, these are like MacGuffin yeah. movies. Yeah, true. I'm not like, <laughs> I'm not like, I don't need, um, I'm not here for the complex storylines. I'm here for the yeah, you know, yeah. They're smack like smack me in the face with an explosion kind of thing. They need to be serialized, like yeah. I, you know, they don't need to tie into each other. Yeah, they're they're. I totally agree. They're much better as independent entries well, rather they, than like Star Wars. Yeah, Mission Impossible brought J.J. Abrams and his mystery box, you know, that whole world into um into the franchise, and luckily it didn't go off the rails, but it could have. I don't dislike J.J. Abrams. Um. 
but I I do dislike that because I I loved the show Lost. I don't know if you mm. watched that show or you know grew up with that show like I did, but that show was crazy. You're like, this is amazing. They're gonna do a bunch of cool stuff. You had to watch each week because it ties in and it's mystery unraveling itself. But the what you find out is they the mystery is unknown even to the the filmmakers. Like they don't have a plan or an out, um, which is just terrible filmmaking. It feels at terrible point. at the end. You're like, oh, and doesn't the, go anywhere. You know, a lot of these franchise movies feel like they're made the same way. They're high concept, but um, you know the the care and attention in the storytelling is is not first and foremost, which, you know, I, I am a cinema purist too. I do love action and entertainment and having fun and going to movies just for the spectacle of it. If the spectacle is done right, the characters are well enough developed, but yeah, those movies always lack story and depth. Um, and when they don't, you're, you're amazed. Yeah. Mission impossible has has kind of skirted the line for me. Mm -hmm. Bond lately has not, but I think, you know, as far as franchises go, I'm still, I still find myself, I'm, I'm really excited to see this new mission impossible movie. Yeah. Yeah. Should be good. Yeah. Tom Cruise is always good. He is. He is. I mean, Spielberg said last year, he's the savior of cinema because of Top Gun. The success of Top Gun actually saved a lot of cinemas from closing mm. um, and it saved the exhibition industry, which we are working within right now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I have a lot of, of appreciation for that and I, I'm excited for the new Mission Impossible, but I don't even know what is next for James Bond. Okay. So I want to ask you, who do you think would be the next Bond? Who would make a good Bond? Because that's really where it's at. Daniel Craig did his last movie, No Time to Die, and... Yeah, it's just an open question mark. My answer to that might be controversial because it's a woman and it's Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And I think Phoebe Waller-Bridge would be, uh, she's, you know, the actress in Fleabag. She's the actress in Indiana Jones, the new one. Um, I think she, she, she has not done any action that I've seen. Indiana Jones might be the first time I've seen her. Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember though watching Fleabag and thinking, because around that time they were, they were talking about Bond and it's Idris Elba. Yeah. And who's the next Bond? Um, and a couple of people were like, well, wouldn't it be interesting if Bond was a woman? And I was like, yeah, that would be interesting because, mm. you know, Bond has had some problematic history. You know, he's a, he's a creature of his time also, not to use that as an excuse, but, you know, that character and his development with women um, has always been a little, that's, that's his brand, uh, you know. But well, it's not great. It's a little problematic. So again, he's he's not a good guy. He's, he's an not assassin. Guy. He's so he, like that's part of his allure. He he's, is. He's you know he's he, that dark figure. He's fringy and and yeah. kind of problematic. But I think I I kind of like the idea of a woman playing Bond. I I hate to say it. I don't think it would be really well received by the mass public. I really, I don't, because I think people have ownership over that character way too much. But I, okay, here's a caveat, I think. Whenever they do racial or gender recasting for like an established role, they always lean so much on that, I feel. And then the rest of the things don't get developed fully. Like they don't use that. Like if you recast Bond as a woman, I think you really have to lean into like what that entails for the character. Like you have to lean into, you know, the question of like honeypotting. You have to lean into the question of like, 
what it means to be a woman infiltrating these organizations and in a male run world. So like, unless you're touching on those things, I I always feel like it just comes across as like, oh, now we're going to do the same thing we always do just with a woman or like a character. No, you couldn't. It would also feel like a universe shift. It would feel like you're, you're multiversing James Bond in some ways because a lot of that history and established part of the character and his growth and development and all of these films and experiences throughout the entire franchise would not, not make sense or hold up. Yeah. You know, it's you would have to do some real rejiggering there. But I think, I think it's an interesting challenge. And if they want to shake up the franchise, it might be a good way to do it. Um, but I don't know, like, are there Bond movies being made right now? Are there any in the, the pipeline? There's, n- well, they're really still working on figuring out who the next Bond's going to be. Yeah. Last time I checked. And for a while it was Tom Hardy, which I think he'd make a good Bond. I don't know if he's too old now. I don't think they want to make the mistake Daniel Craig like they made with him. They selected him when he was like in his mid forties, I believe. Yeah. And then, you know, he was beat to hell after the last movie. After Spectre, he was like, I'm never doing a Bond movie again. Who would you want to be Bond? Uh I like quite like Tom Hardy. I thought yeah. Idris Helbo would be good too. And I will say, like they the way they pick Bond actors, it's almost never who you think it is. It's almost never who anyone thinks it is. For better or worse. Um, so I think it's going to sneak up on all of us, really. Probably. I think it, it might be Tom Cruise. <laughs> that would be that'd be so weird. Um, <laughs> my God. They just fold the two together, and it just becomes one thing. I mean, that's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my God. You know, I really want to get on his uh, holiday mailing list. Uh, apparently, he sends you like a chocolate coconut bunt cake to all his friends. Tom Cruise? Yeah. Weird and and, <laughs> and just look outside your door. It's from Tom Cruise. Like, all right, weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's an interesting guy for sure. Um, but again, you know the the fact that he does the stunts the way he does. Is, oh yeah, he hung outside of a an airplane for one of these movies while it took off. That's crazy. That is insane. It's crazy. Uh, Daniel Craig would break a hip at this point. <laughs> you know, he's he's, he's getting up. He's there. very fragile. He is. He is. <laughs> But I, I don't know. I, I, I think landing on, it's just to wrap this up, landing on like a what franchise is better is impossible. These are two different franchises that come out of two different times, sort of. You know, if you trace back to their history, they're coming from the 1960s, both. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mission Impossible is not Mission Impossible, the show. The show was kind of hokey CBS, you know. Um, and then James Bond very much is or was at least up until a point in Fleming's novels, you know, yeah. now it's a little past that. Now they're kind of in their own world and, and doing their own thing. Um, so it, that's why that's another thing. Like that franchise feels a little off the rails, you know, like it's, it doesn't know what it needs, wants to be or needs to be. It, it feels like it's, it's in a, a time of transition. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe on the flip side, with whatever actor they do choose, it, it does come out on top and, and ends up being, you know, reinvigorated and great again. Um, and then Mission Impossible, who knows? After this uh, Dead Reckoning Part 2, which comes out next summer, I don't know, I haven't read enough about this, but that could be the end of the franchise. Tom Cruise could say, let's hang it up after this, which I'd admire. If you leave on top, that's amazing. Yeah. Because what all these franchises continue to do is say, Oh, let's do a little more. Like Indiana Jones is coming out next week. I'm dying to see it. I'm really excited. It looks really good. 
Indiana Jones in the wheelchair of destiny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're de-aging him, like literally de-aging him. Um, I hope it's good. But the last one, Crystal Skull, which was the fourth film and Spielberg directed that, it was abysmal. Yeah. So I, I think. I don't know, have high hopes for it. Yeah. Again, it's like watering, like a perfect trilogy. And then you throw in a terrible movie and, and it sours the taste of the franchise for people. So I think both Bond and Mission Impossible, you know, have had fits and starts here and there. Um, I kind of hope that Mission Impossible Part 2, Dead Reckoning Part 2 and, and next summer is, um, I hope it's amazing. And I do hope it's the culmination and they end it. Because like you said, you can't do Mission Impossible without Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. And then, then you have a franchise that ends and has a legacy of like, holy moly, this is a great franchise until you know 2036 when they're like let's recast it with you know whatever young actor of the time they want to and they no franchise is safe hollywood studios are just addicted to money though that's why tentpole franchises are their like drug of choice too pre-sold tickets oh god you know they got their pen ready i'm sure yeah for the next tom cruise but for now there's only one tom cruise there is (laughs) All right, well, let's end it there and agree that there is no real answer to this question. Um, you can have your cake and eat it too, I think. I yeah. think you can enjoy both of them a lot. But I, I, I do agree that modern audiences are more engaged with the Mission Impossible films because the, the pacing is much snappier and the set pieces are, are more over the top. But I think Bond is going to have its continued lasting cultural you know, point. Yeah, I think movies and we've talked about this on other episodes of this podcast a little bit to draw people and audiences into movies it they have to feel like an event mm. um we show great indie films here that are probably the the best of the films of the year um and they they bring in a dedicated audience cinephiles like us who love these kinds of movies but the mass appeal of movies like top gun and those those big boisterous event movies that feel like a theme park ride those are the things that are going to keep bringing the big audiences and sustain movie theaters so i think part of my love for mission impossible is is that that job security piece and knowing these are the movies if done well that will keep people coming back through our doors so i appreciate that in the bond movies the same way i mean we showed the last bond movie here a couple of years ago it did amazingly well so i think people just know what they want to see um but they want to be entertained and they want to feel excited. Um, and both of these franchises excel at that excitement piece. I think you can tell a lot about each franchise by listening to the theme, weirdly enough. like The, the theme music, yeah, that's another thing. We didn't even talk about that, but both have incredible identifiable theme music. Yeah, very horn-based and, you know. Oh, yeah. Gets, you, gets your blood boiling, like, it, oh, yeah. It does, it does. <laughs> it's like hearing the Star Wars chords, you know? It's nostalgic, too. Yeah. True. People love nostalgia. All right, so let's end it there and agree that there is no right answer here and tell everybody that you should come out and see Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 opening here at the United Theater on July 12th. Connor, thank you for joining me. Honor and a pleasure, my friend. We'll have to do this Star Wars conversation and and schedule it in the next few weeks because that'll be interesting because I'm sure I agree with you. There's no uh, point-counterpoint there. It's probably just point, point, point. Ripping on Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I won't do that. I, I have a fondness for Kathleen Kennedy. Really? We can rip on JJ um, Abrams a little bit. 
Okay. That works. Okay. <laughs> we'll dole it out a little. We'll dole it. That sounds good. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. And thank you all for listening. Until next time, this is Box Office Culture. Thanks for tuning in to the United Theater Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. And if you could take a moment to leave a review, we'd greatly appreciate it. Your feedback helps us create content that you love. So hit that subscribe button and leave us a review, and we'll see you on the next episode.